Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. I guess I got good timing because uh, they just announced that uh, Marvel has signed an exclusive with Ed Brisson. And that's great because Ed is writing some of my favorite Marvel books, Old Man Logan, Iron Fist, to name a couple. And uh, he's done a great job since he's been at Marvel. I knew him back in his murder book days when he would do incredibly great short crime stories. Uh, We talk about all of that. Uh, This was recorded before the announcement of uh, his Marvel exclusive, but uh, really happy for him. And I think it's a nice profile and long overdue. We haven't talked since uh, Shattered. I had even forgotten. I knew that I had had Ed on, but that was a really long time ago, uh, a book that he did years ago at Image. And uh, it's just a pleasure to have Ed back. And, of course, uh, I'm ready to wind up. And of course, he accidentally drops it. He's a big boxing fan, so I kind of demanded another 15 minutes or so of uh, boxing talk from Ed, and he complied. So uh, it's a lot of fun. I hope you're going to enjoy today's uh, talk with Ed Brisson on Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for the continued support. I keep getting more and more new people joining the League, and I can't thank you enough because uh, you're helping uh, keep the lights on, literally. And uh, also uh, helping me uh, push Word Balloon forward, uh, both at conventions and in general, as uh, I uh, entertain some of these uh, projects and opportunities that hopefully come up. One of those projects is coming to fruition. It's uh, the art of Mike Avon Oming. It's called No Plan B. It comes out from Dark Horse next Wednesday. And uh, I will be at Challengers Comics in Chicago on Western Avenue, right by the Blue Line stop right there. Uh, and I hope you come down if you live in Chicago and uh, say hello. And uh, we'll have uh, copies of the book there. Very excited. I did the text. So how about that? My first book finally comes out. And uh, it was a pleasure. And I thank the people at Dark Horse who uh, were confident that I could do the job. And I hope I did a good job for them. And uh, really, Mike's cooperation cannot be undersold. And uh, also, uh, you know, it's great because it's Mike, me, and uh, Bendis uh, doing the forward and David Mack doing the afterward. And that's terrific because I love all three of those guys. And it's uh, terrific that uh, I get to do a project with them. Uh, it's rare. And I'm certainly not a comic book creator, but uh, it's an honor to have my name on the byline with these guys as well. I've, I've always been a fan, so it's, it's pretty cool. But uh, if you'd like to be a part of the League of Word Balloon listeners, well, you already are by being a listener. And I thank you for that. But uh, if you uh, are interested in subscribing and uh, helping the cause via Patreon, you can go to wordballoon.com and uh, click on the Patreon ad right there on the front page. Or you can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon. And that's my direct Patreon page. Word Balloon is free. I always say it, and I mean it. It will always be free. But if you want to help the cause, uh, I sure would appreciate it. So thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. There are some amazing sales going on right now at InStock Trades. Some fan favorites are coming back from uh, some of your favorite publishers, like Batgirl, Stephanie Brown, Volume 1, from Brian Q. Miller, Lee Garbett, and other artists. Uh, it is a great collection of uh, Stephanie at her best. It's 50% off, $14.99. Has she appeared yet in the new 52? I'm really not sure. Heroes for Hire, Abnett and Lanning. Man, these guys were an amazing writing team. They're kind of uh, doing their own things these days. But uh, this was a great run of Heroes for Hire uh, featuring uh, Iron Fist, Black Widow, Falcon, Ghost Rider, Silver Sable, Moon Knight, Paladin, or if you're Brian Bendis, Paladin. I don't understand why he does that. The Punisher is in there as well. Really neat stuff. Damien Hellstorm sh- uh, shows up. Spider-Man, Black Panther, Satana. Pretty neat, man. Really uh, really good stuff. 
and 416 pages, by the way. A great Doug Brathwaite uh, cover, Brad Walker art. It's 50% off, $17.49. You can also get, and I think I talked about this last time, human, the Planet of the Apes archive from Boom, hardcover, volume one. Doug Munch and Mike Plug, among others, at their best in the 1970s, those wonderful black and white Planet of the Apes uh, comic magazines, uh, some really inventive stories from uh, the whole group. And, uh, man, I'm just such a Doug Munch fan, whether it's his Batman work, Moon Knighter work, or, or Moon Knight work, excuse me, and also uh, his wonderful work on Planet of the Apes. This is not to be missed. 30% off, it's $34.99. Just some of the great books that are available now at InStockTrades.com. We'll tell you more on the back side of the show, but uh, check it out now, InStockTrades.com. Okay, real fast, before we get into our conversation with Ed Brisson, uh, I'm sure that uh, most of you know I'm a big fight fan, and we got a big fight weekend coming up. Well, sort of. It's uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor, and with apologies to my Irish buddies who I'm sure are, are cheering for him and my MMA buddies who are cheering for McGregor, I don't see him winning. I really don't. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, yeah, it's been two years since he's been in the ring. The guy's in razor-sharp shape. He's still the fastest fighter out there, even at 40. Uh, this is his sport, and he's a lightning-fast counterpuncher. McGregor, at best, as training as far as and, and as long as he had, is probably, you know, a competent boxer. And I don't mean to disrespect him because I know he's an excellent MMA fighter and he's an unconventional fighter and also an unconventional striker. All that said, this is Mayweather's game. This is like stepping in with a chess master, literally. Physical chess, if you will. And uh, he knows where to hit you and where to hit you to make it hurt. He hits hard enough. He's got a great chin and people don't talk enough about Mayweather's chin. So even if Conor McGregor should manage to land a couple shots... Uh, in in good places and stuff. Mayweather has uh, taken the best shots from the best fighters. He hasn't ducked anyone. He cleaned out his divisions. There literally was no one left to fight when he retired. And uh, this is going to be number 50 for him. And I think it's going to be very easy. I think it's going to happen inside of six rounds. All right, without further ado, you'll hear more boxing talk at the end of my conversation with Ed Brisson. But don't worry, there's plenty of comic book to start things off. Here's uh, Ed Brisson now on Word Balloon. Ed Brisson. Ed, is this your first time on Word Balloon, or did I do a floor interview with you? What You tell me. No, we. I uh, did an interview with you yeah, two years ago, I want to say. I don't even know what the hell was, we talked about. What did we talk about? Might have been sheltered, so that might have even been three yes. years ago. It was okay. a little while ago, anyway. That's so funny, Ed. I was going through your bibliography, and, and shelter didn't come up. Yes, indeed. Of course it was. Well, welcome back to Word Balloon. Shame on you. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> Well, I'm all excited that you're working on Iron Fist, man. Um, and and uh, as you know, I, I discovered you because Ron Richards like threw Murder Book in my hands and introduced me to you. And it's like, hey, you got to read this guy's book. And immediately I was blown away. And that's why when Sheltered came up, I was happy. Uh, good. I am glad. I couldn't, Like I said, I couldn't remember if we talked or not. But I'm, I'm glad we're doing it now. And, and again, I'm really excited about you being on Iron Fist. Yeah, me too. I bet you're not half as excited as I am. I, I'm thrilled. <laughs> well, it comes through the work, man, honestly. And, and, and you and Perkins as well. And, and truly, I can't think of two better guys to do you know, Iron Fist stories, truly. I, I have not had the opportunity to meet Mike yet, but he has been one of my favorite people to work with. He's so incredible to work with. And, uh, yeah, his, just his love for the character, you can see it uh, uh, coming through in the art, I think. 
just it's been it's just been a dream this That's whole awesome, process. Man. Well, and frankly, and when I want to get this out of the way, I was really I don't know how much of and I'll call it the Netflix taint of the the initial reaction to the Iron Fist series hurt or help you know or impacted you in any way with your Marvel book. I'll be honest, I don't I honestly don't know. I, I haven't actually seen I, I watch a bit of the first episode. Uh, but because I'm writing this series, I and I'd started, you know, by the time I think the first episode dropped, I was already writing issue three or four, and so I didn't want to, I didn't want to have someone else's voice sort of in my head while I'm writing it. Sure. So I, I've stayed away from it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it helped or or hurt or whatever. Um, Any fan but, bullshit? I'll ask you right now. Any fan bullshit in terms of you know some of the no? Okay. I haven't. You know, the only thing that really happened is one guy kept going at me uh telling me that i didn't understand iron fist didn't understand how he worked how his chi worked and all this sort of stuff but this was like a month before the issue came out so uh, you know i i didn't really pay it much heed and i i kind of uh with that sort of twitter and all that sort of um stuff i, I tend to just let it roll off my back i don't take anything Attaboy. on there too seriously otherwise uh it would just kill me no, I, hey man, I can appreciate that too. And, and again, um, you, you, I was saying this to a creator today. You're never going to beat Vader 28 or, you know, Trek Fan 89 or whatever right. anonymous asshole is out there shaking their fist at you. And let's see them put their name on it or let them see it. Let's, I mean, and, and also, knowing how big you are, Ed, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I think you can hold your own with pretty much uh, all of them, frankly. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 don't, I just don't let it stress me. You know, a point. There, there's a lot of stuff that I love that other people hate. And I just I just go back and, like, I think about that. Like if, you know, I, I was writing a series called The Field for Image that the first issue got, like, kind of uh, uh, trod on pretty heavily. And uh, it really bummed me out. I was reading reviews. But then I would just go read reviews for other stuff that I really like that other people hate. And, you know, you're just not going to please everyone. And, and there's no point in trying. And as long as I'm happy with what I'm doing and I'm satisfied and, and, and the artists and, and the editors that I'm working with, as long as we're all happy, I'm happy. I hear you, man. Well, six issues in, I can say that uh, I don't know what that guy was talking about because you very clearly <laughs> get Iron Fist. And immediately I think you're up there with the best guys that have written Iron Fist and certainly Mike's up there with the best guys that have drawn them, including David Aja and, and the like. Um, Dan Brereton, uh, as far as recent versions come to mind. I mean, I, th- I like Dwayne Swarzyski's run after yep. Fraction's run as well. He had that great travel form and art on there too, which was beautiful. Absolutely. And I liked uh, I liked what Kari Andrews did too. And I think it was, yes. a, it was a departure from what the, guy, the other guys were doing. And I think different from what you were doing, at least initially. With the Kung right. Fu tournament and everything. But I think uh, we'll see as this arc, I think, moves forward or Danny's ultimate, you know, uh, journey to Kunlun and get back to Kunlun and everything as it seems that's – I don't know. Is that the next art or is, is this well, the overarching story of Danny's got to get back? Tell, tell me that, what's going That's on. sort of the overarching story is that he's got to get back. You know, that's one of the things he learned when he was on, on the, in the trial of the Seven Masters that uh, – that he sort of got to get back and sort of reconnect, I guess. And um, so, that yeah, that's definitely where we're heading. There's going to be a lot of hurdles and a lot of obstacles uh, in his way on the way there, uh, you know, which is, you know, how he ends up teaming up with Shang-Chi for the two issues that we're on right now. And uh, and more coming up. There will be more obstacles 
more people trying to stop him and uh, people with their own agendas. We haven't seen the last of, of many of the people from uh, from that uh, the, the tournament. So uh, there's there's still lots to go. We have we have sort of a big plan that we're trying to outstanding trying man. to slowly roll out. That's great. No, I mean I'm for it, and I look you know again I look forward to the journey. Then that's great, and I uh, now it's terrific to see Shang Chi back. And there's a character, obviously, that sometimes it, it's been a, a tough road because, uh, especially in its initial Marvel inception, tied to the Food Manchu uh, character, which right. was a separate deal. And that mm-hmm. really does kind of hurt. I know they, they've re-released the Omnibuy and, uh, and the various volumes of Master of Kung Fu that came out before, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, both actually. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Initially, obviously, you got you got Iron Fist and Shang Chi fighting some zombies, but there's there's always a power behind that zombie uh, move and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if uh, you know. Again, I don't know how you handle or if you even do bring up Fu Manchu's father or anything like that. Or we, rather, we Shang Chi's father. No, it doesn't. It doesn't actually get raised at all. It's more just these two dudes who are you know uh, they've all they've both got their parental baggage really, and yeah. um, and it's not really about that. It's more about them sort of facing off against this threat that's come up against Andy, uh, Danny. sorry. Um, but there is also that that edge of competition when you've got, you know, the, the two uh, biggest kung fu masters in the Marvel U fighting side by side. There, we get into a little bit of the competition with the two, and, and uh, especially in the sec- second issue. I think it plays that quite fun. It's, uh, it's, I think a lot of people will dig it. I hope a lot of people dig it. Excellent, man. No, and I, as you say, I hope more guest stars are on the way. This is only going to be a two-issue story. So uh, yeah. I, I look forward to who else might be you know, dropping in as Danny, Danny makes his journey. How much is how much of Bendis' Defenders book is going to play into what you're doing? You know what? I, there hasn't really been um, that much crossover, to be honest. I think, I think that's amongst those books that there's a... Um, there's an idea that they're just going to be separate sure. uh, books, and we're not gonna we're not gonna tread on each other's toes, and so and I, and for me, I, like as a reader, I appreciate that more rather than everything having to be tied in. Sure. Because um, then you know if you if you like both, then that's great. If you don't, you know, if you're not as hot on one, it doesn't affect your enjoyment of, of the other. If, you yeah. know, I guess there's three, four books tied in, and you know, luckily we're lucky in that the, I think that they're all great books, but everybody's kind of doing their own thing, which to my mind just makes those books stronger. I agree. And I sometimes think there are too many tie-ins and if anything, they put handcuffs on you guys, I think story-wise. So yeah, by all means, everybody tell your own stories. And I think that's great. And I think all, all four characters are in great hands right now. So I think, I think that's terrific. And no, truly, man, I I'm, I'm enjoying the tone and the pace that uh, you guys are putting Iron Fist on, and yeah, Perkins, yeah, Perkins is always great. I'm, uh, you know, yes. I was kind of bummed when he was doing um, the Stephen King adaptation stuff. I'm sure it was a nice paycheck, but it was mm-hmm. like, oh man, I want you doing Marvel Universe characters, man, because God, his Union Jack back in the day was so good, mm-hmm. and his Captain America work, you know, easily no, yeah, I... Deathlock, obviously. Yep, Carnage after, but uh, he. Yes. 
Yeah, he's been just amazing. And I've talked about this a bit, like in other interviews, this is a bit of a tangent, but like one of the things I love about working with him is like, I think second issue of Iron Fist, I wrote a five page and I, when I write, I tend to write full script. Okay. So that would be like, you know, page five, panel one, this happens, panel two, this happens, yada, you know, so like at the end of the page and I did one fight page and I think I had like four or five panels on it. And then Mike drew it and brought it back, and it had like 20 panels on it. <laughs> it was like, I feel like anybody reading that would have thought that I was trying to torture the artist, but that was all Mike. That was all his doing. <laughs> and one of the cool things about that, though, is like as we sort of got into a groove with each other, we could get like to the fight scenes and just be like, okay, you know, Mike, there's, you know, like we got a two page fight scene here. Uh, you know, I, I might have like a couple key things that need to happen. And then the rest is just I step out of his way. That's I great. just let Mike, Mike Mike work his magic, and it's it's amazing. It's beautiful. The the outcome uh, has always just been splendid. I think it's you know if I were a reader looking at those pages, I would be thrilled. It's just it's such a feast for the eyes. He's he's so good. Yeah, man, I totally agree. No, and again, it, it's it's very obvious that you guys are having a great time doing this book, and. You know, again, I, I don't mean to, and, I'll, and I, I swear, I want to get off the the people that are so intent on changing Iron Fist to fit the times. It's like the people that are saying that I don't think they understand the history of this character because Iron Fist has always been on the side of inclusion, and it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why he and Luke Cage are such a great team. And I think I think Dave Walker showed that during the Power Man Iron Fist run that he was doing. And I know Brian feels that way as well, and it and it comes through in his work. And it, it really, the, the thing that that it seems you would think is obvious if you know the character is he is uh, an outsider to both the Western world and the Eastern world. And part of it, of course, is because he's a white guy. But right. but that's all. But again, that's that's the great dichotomy. And he just he doesn't fit in anywhere. And also, he's not this white god. That comes in like a, a Tarzan or somebody that is going to oh you know I mean I know he's got the chi and obviously the the Iron Fist power but he doesn't usually have the right answers and screws up like in a Johnny Storm way a lot and I that's part of the charm of the character to me and that, that's the same here I think that like uh, one way we've definitely been playing with him and we do that a bit in the Shang Chi story as well is that it, it's like that he he he's not. Um, he's Don't not always stop. right. He's, he's screwing up all over the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's like, um, I, mean, I can't remember who said it. Maybe one of the editors was like, he's like um, Jack Burton, Kurt Russell's character in Big Trouble in Little China. When you watch a film, he's not really the hero. He's <laughs> kind of like, he gets in the way more than he he he, he um, saves the day. Yes. Um, and Iron Fist, you know, Iron Fist is definitely, he's he's a hero, but like he he's definitely got faults. And... Yeah, like I can I can understand sort of both sides of the argument for sure. But, you know, I just try, you know, with him, we're trying to just be true to who the character is and not, uh, you know, and, and just kind of keep him that like that goofy yeah. kind of screw up kid. Right. Well, that's the thing, man. And I and that's why it's like, no, I, I, I like you said, I, I understand the initial thought of, well, wouldn't it wouldn't it be better if it's an Asian character? And I'm really glad that. Uh, people like Albert Ching at, at CBR even stepped up and said, no, actually, it wouldn't be good. And and here's why. And I even remember a few years ago, uh, Reggie Hudlin and I talking about this. 
mm-hmm. and and just in general, and saying, you know, we all loved Bruce Lee. I mean, Reggie and I are like the same age. And when Bruce Lee came, you know, really came onto his own in the late 60s and early 70s, we all appreciated it in the same way that, you know, uh, white people look at jazz and are like, oh, I, you know, I want to play that. It's not that they're usurping a culture. It's, no, can I, can can we honor it and, and love it from our point of view without getting in the way? And I really think Iron Fist has always been that kind of character. So it really bothered me. Again, that that there was, and I, I don't expect <laughs> I don't expect you to comment because I understand it's a tightrope when you're when you're when you're creating the character. But yeah, man, I, I just I don't know. I I've always loved Iron Fist. I I felt bad that he was being painted in, in such a pointed way that really, again, I just think if you read the character, you wouldn't feel that way. Sure, and you know there are there are some like you know Kari's run. He, he introduced Pei, so there's yes. a new girl who's who's from Kunlun who you know is the next so it's not it's not ignoring his past there we go there go my dogs oh, no problem. Ed, Ed warned us that uh, there might be dogs in the in the podcast I said I got no problem with that that's okay yeah if you ever want to know if somebody's walking by my house and I live in a very like walkable neighborhood my dog will let you know awesome. uh, anyway but yeah with Pei I think is a great character that that doesn't uh you know who i've not used in, in the main iron fist book but i think as sort of an answer to that as a way to sort of push and, and progress the character uh, and that culture is uh, is a good take i think yeah in, in, in my in my humble opinion i would agree and i and i yeah i think kari's inclusion and suggestion that she's the next living weapon and everything no i think that's that's a great setup for for what's to come and it, you know again this is that whole legacy thing that I think Marvel is, is starting to address now. And uh, that's interesting. And maybe down the road, it'll be fun to see as Pei grows up, her and Danny, you know, him helping her. And, and you know, I got no problem with two. Hey, we've already had two Iron Fists. We yeah, had uh, absolutely. Uh, Randall, uh, Orson Randall, right? Yeah. Love that. No, and, I, I love, and that's a character I really like. And I'm really excited to see where she's going to go. Excellent. Uh, you know. Very cool. Might we see uh, any uh, dips in the past? And uh, I mean, I want you to tell your story, but uh, I always, I had always hoped for more, uh, you know, adventures of Orson Randall in the twenties and thirties. Pulp, pulp era, pulp era Iron Fist. You know, um, I don't think like I, I, I would probably say that not. I don't think I would go there right now. Like I've got sure. those, all these stories I want to tell with Danny and is this weird, weird that that's just sort of a weird the 20s 30s and, and I get crap for this all the time but this it's weirdly not an era that has a whole lot of appeal for me in storytelling okay. now if we're talking about 70s man like I'll go back and like 70s stuff but uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know what it is about that era there's a lot of uh, you know authors from that era who I really like but um in terms of, of, of storytelling, it's not a ton of interest for me, um, and I, I don't know why that is. Like, no, it's just, you know, it's just one of my 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 quirks, I guess. No problem, man. No, it's all good. I, you know, I, yeah, that's fine. No, right, right, what you love, and that's cool. I know uh, Dave Walker is obviously a big '70s uh, crime fan as well. I loved his uh, his recent Shaft novel. That he I wrote. actually. I haven't read that, but I, I, I met uh, David in at Emerald City. You know, I was pretty impressed or pretty happy to find out he's a huge cult movie guy as well. He put out a book uh, that I picked up when I was there uh, where he reviews, oh, God, 
it's a thick book of him reviewing sort of old 60s and 70s, 70s and 80s B and cult films. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's a good book. He's, uh, you know, uh, it was really cool to sort of meet him in the first place, but then find out that he and I had that, that very similar interest as well. Have you ever, uh, like, boy, now I feel like Peter Graves. You ever watch a Gladiator movie, Joey? Uh, have you have you ever watched the Italian early seventies crime films? Uh, the oh yeah the uh, like the cop in blue jeans yep. and the yep. yeah the violent like violent Naples and stuff. Yep. I love that stuff. That's awesome. Love it. I actually I've got a violent Naples uh, poster basically hanging right above me right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Henry Silva, Woody Strode made some cool movies like that. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Yeah. No, that's I I agree. That's that's really fun. And also, uh, how about the Sweeney, the British seventies? Uh, you know, I, it's uh, it, that's a, another blind spot for me. I never really got into a lot of the seventies. Uh, I think for me, like the a lot of the, the British stuff always felt like weirdly proper, whereas the Italian stuff, especially when I was younger, just felt so sleazy. Um, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, that appealed to like 17, 18 year old me. Sure. Um, <laughs> it was just not just sleazy, but just kind of grittier. They were like, they took the the uh, you know seventies uh, American crime films, which I, I I'm a huge fan of, and they just sort of dialed that like nastiness up to up to ten. Like all the Henry Silva, uh, who's it? Fernando de Leo. Yes. Uh, all the Fernando de Leo films, just so good. Too much. That's fantastic. I um, well, you know, the Sweeney is kind of a, a little more grittier, and also, um, I don't know if you saw the the British Life on Mars. I did. Yes. Now, did you like that or no? Uh, I did. It's it's been a few years now, so I felt like that. I, I felt, don't recall. Yeah, it was a that was a long time ago. Now that I realize it, um, I felt like that was kind of an homage to the the Sweeney. Which it's it's uh, Inspector Morris, the the actor. It's not the character, but it's the John Gavin. I think it was his name before he was Inspector Morris. When he was, you know, a thirty something guy, and and I always felt it was kind of more working class cop. So I, I appreciate what you're saying because I think some of the drawing room uh, crime shows were a little too clean and pretty uh, from from the Brits. But I thought the Sweeney was one of those exceptions. And All right, I'll check it. Yeah, I'll check it out. I've got it. I've got it up here on my screen right now. So. <laughs> the uh, no, but I don't blame you. And yeah, certainly uh, '70s American crime movies. I mean, you know, Jesus, uh, certainly. Um, and now, shame on me. I'm blanking. Gene Hackman, uh, French Connection, obviously. French Connection. Yeah, the conversation. Both. Yeah, conversation. Um, fantastic. Yes. I just rewatched uh, Straight Time the other day, which is not one that incredibly popular, but it's such a good movie with Dustin Hoffman. Uh, Friends of Eddie Coyle is another one. That love Mitchum. Mitchum at his. Yes. Mitchum at his. Although you know that and Yakuza, I find, and especially mm-hmm. the Yakuza, very comic booky in its um, art direction. It seems. I mean, there's just a lot of like just moments in the movie where, like a blood blood streaked faced Mitchum. It's like God damn. That's where Frank Miller got a better bunch of his. Right. He's watching that. It's been so long since I've seen the Yakuza. I can barely remember it. I'm a fan. And also, I love it. I was telling a buddy of mine who's a big sports nut, I'm like, you see Mr. Baseball? He's like, yeah. And I go, the guy who plays like the Japanese manager that used to be the big home runner? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's the guy in the Yakuza. <laughs> He's like, no way. <laughs> so, oh, man. No, I love I, I, Lamette, I want to say, made the Yakuza. Uh, Sidney Pollack. Oh, I got it up. I've got my Sydney's mixed up. Atta boy. That's all right. Well done. Paul, Paul Schrader wrote it, though. That's that's I knew I knew that. Uh, 
one of those dudes was, was uh, connected. Paul Schrader, I, I used to be a huge fan of back in the day oh, as yeah. well. Oh, yeah, great screenwriter. And great mm-hmm. good director, greater screenwriter, but very good, certainly a very great screenwriter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, Absolutely. I agree with you, man. No, and I also, you know, Raging Bull, he, he helped write Raging Bull with uh, Scorsese, mm-hmm. I know. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, Blue Collar, I don't know if you've ever seen that one was um, Pryor Richard Pryor Pryor and Cattell? Harvey Cattell yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. Uh, long time ago. see there's one for me that's been up like forever since I've seen Blue Collar Yafet Koto Yafet Koto as well yeah oh I love Yafet uh, everything Yafet Koto does man I could I love big fan big fan yeah so, so I yeah I watched that one uh fairly recently actually because I I grew up um in a GM town so I remember like I could just really relate to that that the uh like the people in that film, I knew those are like the parents on my street where I grew up. I hear you. Wow, what what city? Uh, Oshawa, Ontario. Okay. So it's it's up, uh, you know, um, outside of Toronto by about an hour. Okay. Okay, that's you know, I didn't forget. I forgot that. Yes, of course you're Canadian. That's awesome, man. I uh, I I'm I again. I think uh, your 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 love of crime comes through, and man, I'm you know again. We were talking before we got started and stuff. Murder book. Um, and I got you know I got to pick up the violent. So how many murder violent followed murder book? Tell the tell yes. the tell the story of murder book and the violent. Okay, well, murder book is a collection of um, short crime stories. They're all black and white, and uh, it's sort of thing. I, I, I may have mentioned last time I was on here, but uh, I started self publishing comics back in the nineties. You know, I used to write and draw my own stuff and. And I was pitching the publishers and not kind of getting anywhere. And at one point, I just stopped drawing and just started writing. And out of that came Murder Book. I just started writing Murder Book. And I kind of gave up on what I thought publishers wanted, just did what I wanted to do. So it was a bunch of just short crime stories, you know, anywhere from like five to 20 pages. Yep. Usually set in Vancouver. Um, a lot of them are oppressively bleak, um, which – it is always something that comes through in my writing a lot. Is uh, is uh, you know a, a friend of mine refers to it as a Brisson bummer, um, <laughs> but I like and I'm not like that in real life. I, you know, I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky dude in real life. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a bummer. But uh, yeah, they're kind of just. I can't remember how many stories are in there. Maybe 17. Uh, uh, a Dark Horse put out a collection a couple years ago. Oh, it's got about 17-ish yeah. stories in there. A lot of cool artists who – one of the cool things for me about that book is it's a lot of guys – so like I worked with Michael Walsh on that um, who then went on to do Secret Avengers. Uh, he's working on a Star Wars book at Marvel right now. He's done a bunch of Marvel stuff. Cool. Um, Johnny Christmas who went on uh, – his biggest thing right now is he did the Margaret Atwood. Yes. Uh, Angel Camper book. Uh, Declan Shalvey was already Declan Shalvey. <laughs> um <laughs> But there's like a lot of the guys who I worked with uh, on those stories then went on afterwards uh, to do other stuff. And Simon Roy, who did Profit uh, over at Image. Yes. And uh, it, it was just like we but we were all kind of just starting out together. It was a really cool feeling when we were doing it. And uh, yeah, uh, Damien Cesaro, who I then did a bunch of other stuff with over at Boom. But uh, yeah, it's a collection. I think it's like 18 bucks. It's not very expensive. And uh, it's it's sort of my my first real stuff of just writing and doing the books I want to do. It's super proud of that book. I, so if you like crime, um, you know, it, it's worth, uh, it's worth a pickup. I and completely then, agree. Could not agree more. Absolutely, man. Must get, but so yes. Yeah, so that violence, thanks. 
And then the violent is kind of was like a follow up. It basically is like an ongoing murder book series. Uh, it's in color rather than black and white. And it was me. Um, I wrote Adam Gorham did the art, uh, and, um, Michael Garland colored. And it's, um, that one is, it's a five issue miniseries about, uh, two X drug addicts in Vancouver. One just got out of prison. They've got a three-year-old daughter and they're just trying to get their shit together. You know, they're trying to get their lives together. And it's one of those stories where one mistake leads to another mistake, you know, and trying to cover it up leads to another. And it's, it's, it's a snowball. You know, what's coming, but it's just kind of just that watching them tumble out of control. Uh, and, but it was, it was a weirdly cathartic book for me as well, because it was my, I wrote it during my last year living in Vancouver. And, um, it was, there was a lot of, uh, my own frustration with, um, sort of the housing crisis and, and the housing crisis, the effect that it's having on, on everyone there. Cause it's, it has a, a, a downward pressure on the poor that, uh, because the availability of rentals is limited and those that are available are insanely expensive now. And so you, it's, it's harder for the poor to get by or anyone in like sort of lower income to get by. No question. And, and, yes. and a lot of that is sort of that pressure is there. It's, it's, you know, it's a real, uh, um, intense pressure that's, that's being sort of placed upon them on top of everything else that's happening. Um, and then I finished that book and then my wife and I moved the hell out of there. <laughs> so, and now currently you're, are you, are you in the States or are you still in Canada? No, I'm in Canada. Um, I'm in a, a city called Kelowna, which um, is about 250 miles east of Vancouver. So it's just like more interior. Uh, I live right by the beach, which is amazing. I, you know, go swimming like five times a week. Fantastic. Here. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it's just more casual. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's more sane. Like, like uh, my wife and I are trying to buy a house, and you know, the entry price in Vancouver for a house, and it, this is a teardown, was about 1.5 million, which Com- comics don't pay that well. I'm hip. Um, yeah. So we just moved to somewhere that's a little bit more sane and uh, where we're not just throwing all our money at, at rent to get by. So but I like it down here. I like it a lot. This is actually where I went to high school, so I had a lot of hangups about moving back here, but uh, I've, been, I've been enjoying it. That's cool. Reconnecting with old friends? I, actually, I just went out with an old high school friend the night before last, but uh, weirdly everyone – and the reason I first left here um, – is that everyone moved. Uh, I, I left here in 97 because I think of like the 20-ish people I hung out with, 18 of them were leaving town that summer uh, wow. for school or, or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go too. I understand. I understand. Well, that's good, man. And no, you're not the first creator I hear uh, leaving a city and, and moving, you know, uh, regionally where obviously the rent is, you know, and, and housing is cheaper and everything. And no, I think, God, Dean Haspiel, I think wrote a really – eloquent piece uh about it in brooklyn and how brooklyn has gentrified and you know basically now the artists and everything that helped clean up brooklyn and stuff are being pushed out because of housing prices yeah Yeah. and so no i'm not surprised and i know it's happening here in chicago as well yeah it's it seems to be brutal all over for me like if if i had my way um we'd just be living in the middle of the woods in some like you know some some old house but uh, yeah, my wife, my wife's having none of it. She actually grew up in the woods, so she she knows what the reality of it is like versus my uh, you know fantasy of it. 
I understand. That's awesome, man. And then, yes, we we talked about Sheltered before and everything, and that's that's collected. Obviously, how many volumes of Sheltered did you get out? Uh, it was three volumes total. So that that was what we were aiming for. What we got to do. So we got to tell the story we wanted, which is great. Excellent. And was that image I, as well? That was image, yeah. Okay. Most of my stuff up to date has been image. I think uh, I, I've had a couple boom books with Cluster and uh, The Last Contract, and then Dark Horse did um, Murder Book, but everything else has been image, and now, of course, Marvel. Outstanding. And how long have you been with Marvel now? Marvel called me the first, they called me in June of last year okay. to do Bullseye. And. Uh, Sorry, I'm just giving my my dog the eye. Oh no, problem. <laughs> they called me June of last year uh, to work on Bullseye. Cool. And so I was working on that from June through. I, I finished writing it somewhere near the end of last year, but uh, initially it was supposed to come out earlier than it did. Then it uh, they decided to do that running with the love, uh, running with yes. the devil. Um, uh, cross promotion sort of thing. It's not really a crossover. Because uh, none of the books cross over, um, but it was sort of an event, and uh, so they pushed Bullseye back to, I guess it was February this year it came out. So that was like kind of my first thing. I got offered Iron Fist back in October, and then from there, then I got Old Man Logan. I think they offered it to me maybe in November, December. I can't recall. Okay. So I've been there like about a year, but it's been like a slow sort of build to get on to uh, get to where I am right now, which is my hope is to stay on like two, three titles at a time. And that's where I'm at right now. So I'm, I'm quite happy with it. That's excellent. Now, tell me, because forgive me, I did buy uh, the last issue of Bullseye 5. But like, where did, mm-hmm. where did things leave Bullseye at the end of that? Has the, First of all, has the trade come out yet? The trade... You know what? That's a good question. Or maybe it's out this um, month or, or next month. I'm gonna ha- actually. I think it comes out in September. I've been in this weird thing with Amazon, and I, I'm not normally a nitpicker, um, but they keep listing my name is Edgar, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not. My name is not Edgar, but. Um, Anyway, let's see that's here. A good, that's a good mystery writer name, though, Edgar Brisson. I don't know. Still there. <laughs> Still there. It, well, on Amazon.com, they fixed it. Amazon.ca, they have not. Uh, so I'm Edgar Brisson. Um, uh, that's hilarious. But, yeah, it's uh, September 12th. Oh, okay, uh, very good. 27th. Excellent, man. So fairly, fairly soon. Yeah, a month away. But, yeah, Absolutely. It, it leaves Bullseye. He's out there. He's still a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I don't, I don't want to spoil the ending for anyone, but uh, okay. no, it's uh, – it ends in a very bullseye way. I, I was quite happy with that. All right, excellent. Okay, well, I've got that fifth issue, so I will, I will, uh, I will read it on my own. But uh, no, so and uh, who who was drawing it for you? That was Guillermo Sana. Okay, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He's a Spanish artist. He's incredible. He is uh, again. He's like uh, he's got this really sort of sort of clean style that I, I like quite a bit. Um, that's not. It's it's somewhere like between like Chris Somney and and, and Paulo Riviera like that sort of right in between there somewhere, and uh, he's really great, uh, great with like acting with character acting. And there's some there's some pages that I wrote and sent off and was thinking to myself, I, like I don't know how I was going to pull this off, and and he did, and they were 
just beautiful. Did you have an opportunity when when you would get these assignments to go over with an editor and get an artist whose style you would you would like? Not with uh, Bullseye because it was my first my first series there. Sure. I like I'd written for Marvel twice before. And I was really worried about like whether or not I'd ever get to write for Marvel on a regular basis because the two times that I had worked for them in the past, the editors I worked with left right after I'd, I'd done work with them. And so I was kind of floating again. And I, I started to feel like the kiss of death for editors. Um, but, you know, luckily, you know, I got back. And, and so but this was the first one. I didn't have a say, but like I was pretty thrilled when they when they showed me Guillermo stuff cool um, and then yeah more recently usually they'll they come and they sort of have an artist um, in mind already like with uh, Mike on Iron Fist which again it was a great fit and then Deodato on Old Man Logan I mean that's it's pretty incredible to get uh, you know this early in my career to be working on a book with Deodato and um and we have uh, John Mallon coming up on, on Cable, which was one I think he got brought on the book like the day after I did. And so, yeah, again, it was just already there. I, I haven't really had like – I think like all the artists I've had so far, they're, they're guys who are like artists who I'm either familiar with or, or dig their style. So it's not a thing. I, I do know that they do when they brought me on books that they've kind of had that in mind, like what my style – of writing is versus like what kind of artist I'm going to work with because I think there's some artists that this is not going to it's not going to work They're like and maybe it will maybe it will maybe that it'll be a really cool juxtaposition. No, well, maybe. they fit. It seems like the guys are putting you with. I mean, yeah, I would agree, and I, it's certainly Deodato. Um Is so it, I see Jake Thomas is your editor on Iron Fist, and Mark Basso and uh, Kathleen Wisniewski are the, uh, the associate editors. Um, is Jake your? Are you edit? Are you edited by anyone other than Jake and those two? Uh, so yeah, well, Jake is actually. I think issue six of Bullseye was the last one that he was editing. Oh, interesting. So who's your? New I'm editor? not working. Uh, my new editor on that's ba- Mark Basso. Oh, okay, great. Um, and then on um, on um, Old Man Logan, I was with Mark Basso. And uh, it, there was like a little bit of a like um, a uh, um, shakeup recently. Okay. And so Oops, my editor on yeah, yeah uh, my old man Logan editor now is Christina Harrington. Okay. Who's been great to work with. Um, and on on cable, uh, Chris Robinson, uh, who's also he was actually originally my. Bullseye editor. Okay. And then Basil came in, and then now he's my cable editor. And then, like, the head um, sort of editor is Mark Panicio. So, you know, he's got some involvement with both cable and Old Man Logan. And then Axel has been fairly involved as well uh, on some of those books as well. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah, I'm always, you know, that's interesting. I'm, I'm in, I can tell the flavor of books by the editors sometimes. So it does surprise me that Panicio is involved. Uh, with some of your books, that's cool, and uh, and yeah, I've, you know, good doesn't hurt. Axel was always a great direct editor back in his Vertigo days and his X Men days, so you know that's cool. You know, I hope. I, I, yeah, he was. I was thrilled to work uh, with him and just to talk to him. Um, actually, like right after I got the 
the call from Mark Panicia to do Bullseye, Axel called me right afterwards. And like I still like when he phoned me, he's like, "Hi, this is Axel Alonso. I work at Marvel." I'm like, "I, I know, <laughs> like I know." <laughs> but uh, it was one of those like just weirdly surreal calls because he edited all of the Punisher Max books. That's right. Which are some among some of my favorite uh, uh, comics over the last decade or so, and uh, so yeah, I, I feel like you know between all the editors, it's they got a good sense of I think who I am as a writer, and uh, you know I seem to be getting projects accordingly. I still, which been, I, I'm more than happy. With. I still haven't met Panicia, I, and it's funny. I stayed at the Omni for San Diego Comic Con, and I think a lot of the Marvel people were there because I kept running into. Loeb and Casada and, and C.B. Sabolsky was there and great conversations. And one morning, I'm sure it was Axel ahead of me, but he seemed preoccupied and I didn't want to bother him. And, you know, like unless I had something important to say or just to touch base or anything, literally the other cases we'd run each, into each other face to face. So it was a lot easier. But I, I regret not saying something to him because I always appreciate our conversations and I and. Again, I think he's one of the best creatives in comics, and I think he's been doing a hell of a job as editor of Chief of Marvel. And I, I always get interesting conversations with him, and I, I like talking shop with him. So there you go. No, yeah. Every conversation I have with him has been great. Uh, I think he, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's knows his stuff, and, yeah. and you know that, you know. You know that talking to you, the the advice and the tips that he gives are always you know incredible. That's awesome. And all right, so let's talk about the other two current Marvel books, uh, Old Man Logan. That's awesome. And I I'm so glad that 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 this thing has had legs beyond uh, you know certainly Miller's original uh, miniseries and what Brian did during uh, Secret Wars and everything, you know, and Lemire and now you. Yes. How many how many yes. issues have you done so far? Uh, I just handed off the script to my sixth issue today. Cool. So I'm just working on the outline for the next arc, which yeah, um, is mostly outline. It's just like the final revision before I go to script. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm on for a bit. Uh, pretty excited. Uh, you know, like, like A, being a Canadian and writing Wolverine um, is, is just great. Um, and I'm glad, like, you know, guy before me was Canadian as well. That's true. Um, there, of course. So, so it's it's one of those things where, like, um, I think that, like, Wolverine or, and now, like, Old Man Logan is is one of those characters that's just huge. Like, you know, everybody knows who he is. But I think in Canada, there's just that extra level because we're like, he's ours, right? Absolutely. Like, and uh, so, yeah, it, it was for me, it's this is weird dream come true territory um, that I get to write some old man Logan. Uh, it's been a, it's been really cool. Um, yeah, I don't I don't even know. Like, you know, we're bringing the, some like sort of stray Hulk gang members into this, you know, the, the core universe and lots of guns, lots of bullets, lots of lots of just bloodshed. Um and it's it's just been a lot of fun, and, and Dan Adams has been killing it on artwork. Agreed. So um, you know, I have been reading that, and I wanted to know. I thought that was I wasn't sure if that was you or Jeff writing the Hulk clan uh, cousins. Yes. Uh, so yeah, they're back with with Maestro. Yes. Who good stuff, who, uh, man. Using them and hates them at the same yes. time. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a ton of fun. It was a really uh, interesting sort of dynamic to bring them 
into the the core Marvel universe and, and play around with those characters, and then you know try and build up um, some of those Hulk characters to have you know to maybe have some legs, you know, and 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 be be characters you're going to think about afterwards. Well, and and also I just love the uh, both the Maestro version of the Hulk and Old Man Logan because this is a long. Dec- you know, decades, obviously, uh, given their uh, future paradox ages, where yeah. there's such a history between these characters, and it's a more cerebral game between them than it was in that initial, you know, encounter. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, That's fine. yeah, talk about yes. that as far as how you're, how you're <laughs> approaching it. Well, it was just fine. I, I had just reread that before launching into uh, to writing this. But yeah, it's just more. It's it's interesting because Maestro in this, he's more about sort of the long con. It's yep. not Hulk he's smash. not running in smashing smashing stuff. <laughs> he's he's got a long term plan here, and uh, you know uh, he's using this Hulk gang uh, sort of to his own uh, to his own means. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, you. but uh, you. you know it's uh, he's got he's got a plan and and. and you know, Logan's here just really kind of upsetting it. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it is kind of funny. You got like these two geriatric versions of, uh, these Marvel, uh, staple characters, uh, battling it out. It's like, uh, you know, the bloodiest version of grumpy old men that you're, <laughs> you're ever going to get. Good comparison. Absolutely, man. No, it's terrific. And again, and, and, and Logan himself as well, uh, thinks before he, I mean, he could still go berserker, but it just seems like there's there's again because of his weariness uh, or his fear perhaps of um, as someone who is coming from a future dystopia is probably very conscious of every move he makes now that he's decades sure. in his past and doesn't want to follow the destiny that he put himself into. But also, but also like having the Hulk gang here and, and having Maestro, you know, as you uncover their plans, you start to realize that this is. His nightmare coming to fruition yes. yet again, or, or, or trying to break through and come to fruition. And I wanted to play a bit around that, where like we already know through Lemire's run that the future that he fears happening isn't going to happen. It's already passed, and, and there's different things happening. Oh, it's, but I, I didn't I, realize that there was that. I think there there's the night that it's supposed to happen. If if and forgive me if I'm misremembering. But I'm pr- fairly sure the night that it was all supposed to happen is a night that happens in one of the earlier issues of Lemire's run on Old Man Logan, um, where Logan's kind of freaking out that 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 night of the villains, I think I believe it was called, um, was going to come true, and then he would, you know, go berserker and, and kill the X Men. Uh, I believe that's already passed, but he, he's in a state right now where he kind of knows that this is a different timeline and, and the same stuff's not going to happen. Okay. Okay. But I do like playing with that, that feeling that there is, uh, an inevitability to it. Like it's almost, if it doesn't happen this way, it's going to happen that way. Sure. You know, it's There's still this possibility that's going to happen and that's his nightmare. So he's obviously trying to fend it off, uh, on his own up there in the North. And, uh, you know, he's, he's playing it smart too. He's not, he's not, necessarily going full berserker but he's also a little bit lost he has no idea where where they are because these hooks keep moving around too sure now good stuff man very cool and yeah i was thrilled to see the maestro 
on an old man Logan cover. So I immediately grabbed it. I'm like, oh, that's great. Because nice. really, the Meister, I think, is such a, a stroke of genius character that, uh, yeah, is just it, that much more deadlier of a Hulk that is still as strong as ever. But yeah, definitely has grown wise and, and scarier with his mind as, as the decades have gone on. No, it's very, very cool. I loved him even in uh, Young Avengers, uh, the cartoon, or Next Avengers. I never, I never saw that one. He's in an episode. Well, it was that um, that one of those early Marvel animated films, direct to video, huh. and um, okay. Brian used the Bendis used the characters later in the regular Avengers. But it was like the descendants of uh, the Marvel universe, and Tony Stark was taking care of him, old Tony Stark, and uh, yeah, the bad guy's the maestro. And I'm like, oh, that's that's terrific, and it worked. And it was still kind of you know an all ages movie. But it was cool seeing the maestro and everything. So yeah, I'll have to check that out. Funny man. So tell me about uh, tell me about your plans for cable. Uh, cable, I, like I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say about cable. When does it start? So has it started yet? Uh, cable, st- no, it doesn't start. I believe it starts in October. Okay. Uh, so you know we've got a good uh, month and a half, two months ago. Um, but it's basically cable with uh, what they're calling the newer mutants. So it's Cable. He's got his own team now. And um, the team is it's the craziest team. So he's got a team that is him. It's uh, X-23, Armor, Longshot, Shatterstar, Blink, and Dupe. Oh, Dupe. you got to love Dupe. Dupe. Fantastic. I love and Dupe. So Everybody loves Dupe. What's not to love? Um <laughs> So basically, uh, all I really I, – I, I don't want to give too much away, but just, um, you know, it, it follows Cable kind of being time cop. Somebody's come back from – at some point in the future, they've landed in, in 2004 and immediately killed, um, killed someone. And he's trying to find out who and why, and they're, they're sort of chasing down a few leads. And uh, without spoiling too much, there's there's a couple characters who I really like from way back in the day who I haven't seen for a while that I will be bringing back uh, in this series. So it should be pretty exciting. Action series or comedy? Because with Dupe in there, you got to ask. I guess. Hey, you know what? It's it's got touches of comedy, but it's mostly mostly going to be action. Okay. That's cool. I'm psyched it's, to see it rolling in the movie. Go on. Yes. No. I. Yeah. I was going to say it's like it's probably won't be as dark as as say like Old Man Logan or or, or the violence or anything like that. Okay. But it's a. Uh, it'll definitely have moments of humor. Um, trying to trying to balance it. I think like do that Iron Fist a bit too, where you know we try and balance it with a bit yes, of humor as well. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Josh Brolin I think looks great as Cable. I was really stoked on that uh, that Cable costume. <laughs> And that too. What do you, you know, help me out with cable, man, in terms of, and again, I, well, I'm not expecting you to convert me or anything, but like, but like what, what do you, what intrigues you about cable? Tell me. I think here's one of the things that really intrigues me about cable, and, there, and there's particular ca- uh, characters around that, that sprung up around that same time, uh, such as like Shadowstar and, and, and Dominion and Deadpool, is that for me, there were characters that sprung up. While I was reading comics, sure. so they were like, you know, when you come to comics, there's Spider-Man and you got Batman, and you, you know, you got whoever they've they've been there, they got decades, and for me, there's like a special soft spot for characters where I was there 
you know, for their birth, yeah, essentially. Totally. Uh, that's that's why I will defend speedball to death. Hilarious. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. But for me, uh, cable. I just thought cable was such an interesting, you know, uh, premise from the beginning. You know, he's he's he's. Um, uh, Scott, Scott, Scott Summers. I'm totally yeah, blanking. Scott, Scott certainly. He's and sent to the you know two thousand years in the future, and he comes back and he's basically like this Terminator style, you know, good guy Terminator uh, uh, beast. And I don't know. I just there's something about like bopping around timelines and and just trying to to fix stuff and, and save humanity over and over again. Without necessarily getting the credit for it as well, Understood. that uh, that uh, I really sort of appreciate about that character that I like about that character. Oh, that's cool. There's a, there's a real loneliness to him. He's like he doesn't he's you know separated from his parents until you know he didn't reunite with them until he was older than they were. Um, you know he doesn't necessarily have a place. He doesn't have a time. He doesn't have like he's got nothing. He's completely you know without any sort of roots and. Um, I think that for me that makes him interesting. It makes him like a really um, – it can be a really sort of complex character while not necessarily being a dude who talks a whole lot. I understand. All right. Has, and, uh, has he encountered uh, young X-Men Scott that's running around the uh, – and, and you know, shame on me because, again, this might show my lack of uh, keeping up with what's currently going on with the various X-Men teams. But are the are, is the original team – still running around, you know, that Brenda Bendis brought back. Are they still running around the Marvel universe? Yeah. Yeah. That's the uh, X-Men blue. Okay. Okay. And has that's he, that have they encountered each I, other as young? I'm trying to think, I, I don't think, you know, and, and this is by no mean, any means, any sort of authoritative statements. I don't know if he has, I, I can't recall a moment that he has, but I, I'm definitely willing to admit that it's possible that he has. And I just, is one thing that I missed. I understand. No problem. <laughs> no, I, you know, honestly, I, um, I did, you know, I had a, I'm that last generation, I think, of comic fans that walked away for at least 10 years or so um, and then came back very much in the late 90s and really appreciating a lot of what Marvel was doing. And that part, I mean, Kevin Smith's Daredevil and uh, what Bendis was doing with Ultimate Spider-Man and uh, Powers as well at Image and a lot of good uh, Batman stuff going on at DC. That's kind of what brought me back to comics. And, um, you know, yeah, so I've kind of picked up since then. And I just wasn't part of that Deadpool, Cable, uh, New Mutants, and, and those groups of X-Men to, to really experience in the, them. And also, frankly, wasn't a big X-Men fan anyway. I always say that when I was a kid, there were two doors, the Legion of Superheroes door and the X-Men door. And I happily went through the Legion of Superhero door, and it was like, "Oh, this is fun!" <laughs> you know, I, I was always staunchly an X Men kid, X Men, New Mutants, sure. X Force, Excal- anything with an X in it, I was in. I'm with you. I was all oh, in X Force. Um, <laughs> but I did that same thing. I actually took a break for about four or five years from comics. Oh, that a boy. That's good. <laughs> uh, in the '90s, it was just you know when when the basically when the industry crashed, when almost everyone took a break. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, it just got. You know, you just felt like you were being played with so much when, you know, publishers would put out, you know, issue one and then half the time issue two would come out. And then almost like less than five percent of the time issue three would come out, uh, you know, especially image, which is image is not that same publisher anymore. But, you know, that was a thing that they were guilty of doing. And I remember, you know, at one point 
uh, you know, I, all throughout high school, I was a kid who had like two jobs. And I, I you know, back in the 90s, my pull list was over $100 a month. Wow. Um, wow. And I, re- I remember like just one day getting just so disenfranchised, so bummed out that I just went in and canceled my pull list. And, and didn't read another comic again until uh, Powers, actually. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis' sure. Powers, uh, him and Oming, uh, there, that's the book that brought me back in. And then through there, uh, you know, uh, uh, when he did the, his uh, Daredevil run, and um, I think Gotham Central was right around that yep. same time, maybe a couple years after. Yep. That sort of stuff pulled me back in because it was all of a sudden, the comics had just... It's like comics had smartened up a little bit. Exactly. Like, well, that's you know. Yeah, I do, and I and I agree with you. And I I mean, no disrespect to those '90s creators, but the art was more important than the story. And it, I, it was I, and it was really frustrating because I'm like, this. It, it, I don't feel like I'm getting a real great story here. Yeah, yeah, and and if I feel like some of them felt like they were just really dashed off because you know, you could you could do. I don't know. You can do dudes fighting in a, uh, you know, uh, on a white background for 20 pages, you know, for an image book, and it would still sell like crazy. Those guys are getting most of the money. And, you know, I, and I understand it, you know, looking back at it, some of these creators are probably seeing more money than they've ever seen in their lives. Ridiculous money. And, yeah, and then just pissing off for, for a while, you know, going down to Aruba or whatever they exactly. were doing. And so I, I kind of get it. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it was, there was some, Rough, rough stuff coming out then. Some just really terrible. And even now, when I go back and revisit it and try and read it, even some of the stuff I liked early 90s is so, so hard to read. I completely agree. And also even, um, God, some of the stuff that DC and Marvel were doing, like you said, at the collapse. And it's very easy to find that stuff in dollar and quarter bins now. And if you can find quarter bins these days, good luck. Yeah. But yeah, but, um, yeah I remember seeing, oh, hey, look, a Shang-Chi miniseries. And then I read it and I'm like, okay, that wasn't that good. <laughs> you know, and it's like, all right, well, now I, yeah. now I yeah. know why the be- business collapsed. Nobody was was innocent during that period. No. Everyone, everyone was definitely guilty. Agreed, man. Too funny. That's amazing. Are there, um, are there future very soon uh, uh announcements for you coming up or are you pretty set with what you've got right now i think i'm pretty set there's um there's one thing that's going to be announced fairly soon um that i can't really mention that i'm pretty excited about and there's a couple um very exciting possibilities uh, um in the pipes right now that i'm really hoping come together but uh, i don't want to jinx no problem. even no problem even thinking about it are you part of this generations or legacy uh, stuff i well legacy the ca- cable's part of legacy and the um the next is the next arc of iron fist will have Sabretooth, and it's sort of part of the same legacy thing this is cable tooth there's cable tooth saber tooth originally debuted in Iron Fist and so this is a way to sort of bring him back in as part of the legacy thing that's really cool I, ha- I didn't even remember that and I have that Marvel Essential it's, yeah it's uh, Iron Fist 14 I believe Goddamn. and Sabretooth almost beats him through the dumbest <laughs> dumbest mechanic <laughs> Um, where I think he he lures, if I'm remembering correctly, he lures Iron Fist from outside, from inside to outside, and they're in the like Canadian Arctic or somewhere. It's on snowy mountains, 
and Iron Fist goes snow blind because all of a sudden met with all this white that he goes snow blind and he can't see and Sabretooth kicks his ass for a little while before he he learns to uh, listen rather than see and, and oh very nice pizza. It, was that a I just, I just yeah. yeah I just spoiled this 1970s comic book when I checked <laughs> <laughs> the eight-year-old man's like, "Fuck you, man!" I was just yeah, that. <laughs> that's in my to-read pile. <laughs> that's cool. Anyway. That's really great, man. Because I love when, uh, like, a writer suddenly goes, like, when when Fraction made uh, Norman uh, Osborn a, a, an Iron Man villain, and I was like, "That's a fucking genius move." Or maybe, excuse me, maybe it was maybe it was Mark Miller that did it first. Right. But but yeah, that's like, oh man, that's a great idea. It's like, that's the kind of thing. And it's funny that it already has happened. But, uh, and also even Brian said uh, with Defenders, he's like, you know, Danny Rand and Wilson Fisk likely run in the same circles. And it's like, yeah. of, of yeah. course they do. That, They're going to be in the same parties for sure. Exactly. So no, that's that's really, that's really cool. And I really think possibly due to the movies as well, uh, Sabretooth, I think has been given the opportunity to be a much, you know, and, and maybe again, this is my lack of uh, X-Men uh, knowledge. Maybe that, you know, maybe Sabretooth was always this interesting of a character. And I, I'm, I'm just, you know, wasn't aware of the books, the good books that were coming out. He's always a character I had a soft spot for, for sure. So I, I've always been a big Sabretooth fan, but yeah, he, he and Danny have tangled several times in the past. So this is, you know, um, not going to be sort of anything new. It's definitely going to be, you know, the story. The story will be incredibly groundbreaking. Not a boy. Not a boy. But the fact that they're together, you know, uh, is not is not necessarily something new. Okay. Uh, the way the way that we approach it, I think, is uh, I think that we, um, there's a really interesting sort of in that that brings Sabretooth in uh, to the story that actually shows a bit more of Sabretooth's human side as well which I think which has so far in writing been really interesting to deal with cool alright good deal man I trust you and again I'm sure all the X-Men fans are going dumbass don't know what the fuck you're talking about Jesus why do I listen to this show so you right. listen to him. as long as they say that's you not no, me they're saying they, it to they me. I'm okay with you no, no no they're saying it to me man no and I was going to say right. it's because I have people like you on and everything that will correct me hell are you kidding Charles Soule Last time he was on, I wasn't reading Inhumans, and he was telling me what he was doing. And I'm like, holy fuck, i got to read that, man. <laughs> I go, nice going. <laughs> you, you converted me. That's great, man. And, nice. Uh, so I will, uh, I, I'll, I'll hear what's happening with Cable. I don't know. <laughs> but I am really excited about what you're doing with Iron Fist I'll, and also Old Man I'll send, I'll send you some tweets about when Cable's coming up. I'll send you some tweets so when you're over. <laughs> That's a good idea. No, hey, man, great to have you back. And uh, I'm glad they're finding... Uh, great Marvel characters for you that your style clearly fits. And, uh, Thanks a lot. Absolutely, dude. No, and you know, truly, folks, if you haven't read uh, The Violent or uh, Murder Book, I, I can't re- recommend them more in terms of uh, the crime. And Ed's like, yeah, they're, they're depressing. No, that's a classic. Classic crime always starts with a tragedy and usually a tragic hero that's, you know, not going not gonna to fare well if it's a, no, if it's a good crime story. So that's awesome, dude. And yeah, we got to. Uh, and I probably said this the last time with sheltered and everything, but we got to uh, we got to exchange uh, good seventies obscure uh, crime movies and stuff. You know, of course, the Silent Partner. Yeah, of course, you do. Oh, it. Or maybe not. That. Do you know that movie? Let me look it up. Curtis Hansen, Canadian film. Got to tell you. Wait, from seventy nine. No. Uh, okay, I just uh, I brought up a Tara Reid film. No. 
And I was going to start. Uh, <laughs> no, I was really going to start questioning. Elliot Gould, Christopher uh, Plummer, Susanna York, who played Lara. In the- oh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. If you haven't seen that, I, that's a, there's a recommend for it. You know what? I haven't. You know, here's a weird thing. Okay, actually, Curtis Hansen is a guy I like. Uh, I guess he passed away last year, yeah. but he's he's a guy I like a lot. I actually was just talking about Wonder Boys earlier with someone. Oh, fantastic! Which, sure. I, which I think is a great film um, that uh, was maybe overlooked a bit. Um, but yeah, I don't. You know, here's a, here's the thing. Here's a weird thing for me, and I don't know what it is. I really, as a kid. Had it in for Elliot Gould. And I don't know what it is about him. <laughs> I can't imagine what movie turned you off of Elliot Gould, but he did uh, a lot uh, of schlock. I, a lot of Right. Shock. It could have been that, because I, I remember like very like eighties, like he would he would show up in something, I'd be like, Oh, no. No, forget this. <laughs> I would shut it off. Um and I, I don't know what it is he did. I don't know what he ever did to me. But uh, there you have it. Well, because his because his seventies work is really great, and I mean, you know, I'm a huge Chandler fan, and I have to say, his yeah. his Marlowe film, Long Goodbye, it's its own thing. You can't go into it wanting a film. If you're going into it wanting a Philip Marlowe story, I do think it disappoints. Yeah, yeah. But it is an interesting movie, and um, you know, Mash obviously and. I mean, the guy was with Sutherland and uh, a guy like Bruce Dern. I mean, these were the leading men of the early 70s, and there's a reason why. And they they made a lot of good movies. And you're right. At some point in the 80s, Elliot Gould made a lot of shitty movies. And thankfully, I think as an older character actor, has reclaimed he was great in Ray Donovan, uh, great on Great Notions 11, I think. You know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I but Silent Partner's I, I, cool. It, I, I think I've nailed it. Which one? I think it was like it wasn't even a movie. It was a TV show because I used to watch the '80s Twilight Zone, sure. and I remember the episode he was in was a, the fortune cookie one, I believe. And um, for some reason, it was fortune cookie? That's right. Um, for some reason, I don't know what it is about him that, that bugged me about like you know, it, it actually could have just been the story itself and, and kept me off of the stuff. I, I was a I was a very weird kid who would get hung up on very small. Uh, um, things that didn't have anything to do with anything really, um, and just cling to them. I understand. And Elliot, Elliot Gould was—he was a victim of that. I'm afraid. Well, I I stand by my silent partner rec- recommendation. All right. All right. Obviously, you're a Curtis Hansen fan. So, and Christopher yes. Plummer's great in it. They both are really. So I, there's one for you. And you got a, You got a good recommend for me? Oh my god, I'm trying to think of what I've seen. Recently, like if you if you haven't seen Straight Time recently, then definitely I have check that so out. Maybe that's, that's one that I should probably okay. revisit. You know, that's one of the ones that it's a it's an Edward it's based on an Edward Bunker book, uh, which is I'm not sure it's meant to be autobiographical or just sort of semi autobiographical, but it's just such a good uh, uh, character piece about like this guy, and there's a small bit in there, and and that always stuck with me. It, and somebody else pointed out in, in, in a, um, a review of the film that I was reading afterwards, just a small moment that's such a, like a great for me character moment where Dustin Hoffman moves into a rooming house and um, and um, his parole officer, which is uh, M.M. Walsh, shows up and uh, asks him how much he's paying for the place. And he tells him that he's paying 170 even though in the scene before – We'd heard the the landlord tell him it was one eighty a month, 
which is like it's a very small thing, but it, it's that interesting thing. Like, like even when it doesn't matter, he can't tell the truth, <laughs> and, and it speaks so deeply to his character throughout the film and, and, and where he goes. It's just it's such a good film. Uh, you know, it's got Dustin Hoffman, it's got uh, Gary Busey, um, uh, young Jake Busey as well. Uh, playing his kid, it's got Harry Dean Stanton, who I always love uh, when he pops up and everything. Yes. A really young Kathy Bates. Oh wow! And I think his Dustin Hoffman's love interest is Teresa Russell. Which, if I have one knock against that film, is that his love interest is about twenty years younger than him. <clears throat> but other than that, uh, the, the film is just—that's great. That sounds incredible. great. All right, straight time. Very cool. I like it. And I was going to recommend right. you don't like like 30s and 40s stuff. It's from the 70s, uh, The Late Show, and it's Art Carney, Ed Norton from The Honeymooners, and he plays mm-hmm. this old retired private eye that suddenly finds himself in a new case, and the person that brings him the case is, of all people, Lily Tomlin, and it's from like 75 or 76 or so, and yeah. it yeah. young Lily Tomlin, middle-aged Art Carney, who still has his acting chops and stuff. And that, and that's a guy, because he's so great as Ed Norton, I think a lot of his dramatic stuff and even later comedy stuff gets overlooked. Um, right. But um, Howard Duff is in it, and a lot of f- movie people that were big in 40s and 50s noir films show up as older characters and stuff. And it's just this great L.A. mystery that um, every now and then Turner Classic Movies does still show. And I'm a big fan of that. Right okay. right. okay. I'll check. I got it actually here. Wrote, he actually wrote screenwriter. screenwriter for wrote some good stuff too. So who wrote it? Uh, uh, directed by Robert Benton. Written by Robert Den- Benton. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but he did nobody's full, which is like not really a, you know. Newman. It's a later. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Newman is a you know later in his career film. He, he wrote Bonnie Clyde. Wow, I forgot. wow, both of those I forgot he wrote. But I even I like Nobody's Fool. I think that was a good late Newman performance. I, I, I do like I like it a lot. I, I, but it's, it's just a it's one of those good sort of just little films. It's okay. not a yeah, but uh, yeah, I enjoy it quite a there bit. There you go, man. All right, good. We've good, we've given a good uh, recommend list now to the listeners as well. But uh, all right, keep it up, dude. Nice going. All right, thanks, all right, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. Oh, you know what? Other film? What's that? Other film? I'm just before you go. Fat City. Have you seen of Fat City? Of course, I've seen Fat City. And okay, I love never mind Fat then. City. Forget I'm it. Glad you mentioned that. Okay. You, you know what's crazy? When I met George Foreman for the first time, and I got to have several conversations with George Foreman back in my boxing writing days, uh, I brought uh, a copy of Fat City for him to autograph, just for the irony of it, him being kind of uh-huh. promoting the fact that he was a fat boxer, and he's like. <laughs> This is one of my favorite books. And I'm like, that's fantastic. He's like, it's a good movie, too. And I'm like, I know. And he goes, wow, that's really great. And he really appreciated that and seemed to remember that after uh, after that initial meeting. And he's like, have right. we talked before about, I'm like, books, Fat City. Yes, Fat City. And I'm like, oh, thank right. you, George. I'm glad you remember. That's terrific. So yeah, it's a good, it is a good book as well. I've got the book. I, I've read it a couple James, times. And, uh, and, yeah, really take James the movie. Keach. As opposed, uh, Stacey Keach. Oh, is it? Is it Stacey? A uh, shame on me. Of course, it was Stacey. I thought it was James. I, I, but you're right. Of course, it's Stacey Keach. Tremendous, very uh, like noir kind of uh, boxing story. So, yeah. how yeah. about the setup? Do you know the setup from the 50s or 40s? Setup. Let me have a look here. Robert Ryan movie. <laughs> setup. 49. Yep. No, no, I don't think. Well, I've and seen again, this one. I know you're not a 30s and 40s fan, but I think I right. think it's a very realistic 
uh, noir in terms of right. down on their luck boxers. It's not. It's certainly not Rocky. It doesn't have a happy ending. Right. No, I'm, no, I'm always down for boxing stuff. You know? uh, oh my god! Well, then I, wait. We got to finish talk a little boxing before we're done. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I demand it. I'm bummed that uh, Vladimir Klitschko is retiring because, on the one end, I can appreciate it. He's had a long body of work. But uh-huh. I really felt like that Anthony Joshua fight showed that there was still something in the tank, and he easily could have still won that fight. He's, I don't know. I, I haven't seen a fight of his in a couple of years, but I remember him, he was kind of getting slow, wasn't he? Well, like, and also I think he was getting <laughs> bored. because, yeah. and, and really, his loss, did you see him lose to Tyson Fury? No. It no. was infuriating because, you know, if, if people know, and I'm sure you do, uh, Rocky three when he first fights Clubber Lang and Apollo uh-huh. after the fight goes, hey man, the truth is you didn't look hungry. You didn't look like you wanted to even be there. And um, that that I really think the combination of the civil war that's happening in Ukraine and the Russian invasion and his wife was getting over postpartum a postpartum pregnancy situation. And I think there were a million things on his mind. And I didn't think Tyson Fury did anything but pity pat point uh-huh. you know do a point win that was so timid and and klitschko didn't raise his hands and if you are able to watch i don't know if it's on youtube or whatever this fight he had with anthony joshua it's the best heavyweight fight i've seen since riddick bow and uh evander holyfield had their first fight it's all action and i mean it's and and literally like both guys having to get up off the floor and you know prove something and it was a, a seesaw fight for as long as it lasted, and he just retired, and I and I respect his wishes, and I think it's a good thing to get out while you know your your brains aren't scrambled. But uh, and God, uh-huh. the CTE stuff scares the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, no, but, yeah, I feel, I feel it's one of the things I feel with boxing. Like I, I you know, I grew up a boxing fan, and uh, I was never hardcore until I boxed as a as a kid, um, and then I would follow boxing for a while. But yeah, just a, I worked in health and safety for ten years. So it, it sort of tempered my enjoyment uh, of it a bit. But, I understand. Uh, I, I still sometimes will watch. And I'm definitely going to be there to see the, the circus that's going to be this. Are you? McGregor? I'm just going to go watch at a bar. Okay. You know, the bars here are going to be showing here for free. It's going to be a circus. I don't know. Like, there, there's just part of me that I don't, I, I don't know. I just want to see the, the, the spectacle. I understand, man. I guess I'm I'm old enough to remember when Muhammad Ali fought uh, Antonio Aoki, uh, the Japanese wrestler, and it was. I mean, and I'm not expecting it to be the farce that yeah. that became, yeah. because really Aoki, for people who don't know, got on his back and crab legged the entire time and basically kicked at Ali's legs, and ironically did a lot of damage to Muhammad Ali's legs, uh, but you know there there were never any real punches thrown yeah. yeah and i don't know man i i just feel like mcgregor will have a tenth of a second where he'll have to think about throwing a punch whereas mayweather it's all muscle memory and i think yeah know, absolutely so yeah i i i don't know and and i i hope i'm wrong but i've been kind of like ralph nader i'm glad you're going to a bar to see it because yeah i, I would not pay a hundred dollars for that pay-per-view at all no 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 i i, I no there's no not paying for pay-per-view. I am only going to go see it if I can go see it for free. Agree, but uh, but they're just part – like I said, there's part of me that wants to see that spectacle. Sure. And, uh, no, I understand. And I do not expect it's going to be a good fight by any stretch. <laughs> well, when you're, we're reading about his uh, training 
McGregor's training with uh, Paulie Magliani or whatever. Where he was. He was. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, that's the thing, man. No, and it's, uh, it, yeah, it, it doesn't sound like things are going well. And I'm kind of glad that Magliani's like, look, man, I know I was hired to be a sparring partner, but don't make me out to be a chump. I still have yeah. my yeah. own reputation and stuff. And it's, it, I understand that the McGregor people wanted to promote the fact, if people don't know, that uh, they showed a piece of video that made it look like McGregor was certainly having his way with Magliani. And it's like ring observers that were there, and including Joe Cortez, the former world-class referee that was just helping out in the sparring camp and stuff. Everyone's like, yeah, no, uh, Magliani pretty much had McGregor's ass for most of that round and, and in general. And you just they just happened to take a nice piece where yeah. McGregor yeah. looked good. Very funny. Yeah, yeah. I. It'll it'll be an interesting fight. Agreed. For sure. Agreed. All right, you you I appreciate it. You've satisfied my, my boxing moment. Thank you. All right, <laughs> no problem. You have a good night and uh, and truly yeah. thanks for the conversation, Ed. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. See, I couldn't help it, man. I had Ed Brisson on. I had to talk a little boxing with him, but uh, man, he is so good, and I'm so happy for him. Again, congratulations to Ed on his exclusive with Marvel, and uh, very excited about that. And I was happy to uh, bring you this wonderful conversation with Ed on today's Word Balloon. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, for sponsoring the show and making all this possible. Uh, It was fun, as always. And if you'd like to subscribe to Word Balloon, you can do that at wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad there. It will take you to my Patreon page. Or you can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at instocktrades.com. You can get the second volume of Monsters, Monster Bus, by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Larry Lieber, and uh, the original Marvel bullpen. And this is some of the great pre-Marvel Age uh, monster stuff and also stuff that happened during the Marvel Age, actually. Uh, This is uh, from uh, Strange Tales from 87 to 100 and their first annual Journey into Mystery, 71 to 82. Tales to Astonish uh, from 20 to 34. Tales of Suspense from 20 to 38. Amazing Adventures 1 through 6 and... Chamber of Darkness 4 and 5. Really neat stuff. And uh, this is really some of the classic Marvel stuff that uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby and Larry Leeper were able to create. And these were tremendous Silver Age stories uh, that are absolutely worth your atten- attention. I mean, they all have goofy names. Fing Fang Foom, of course, right there on the cover. Uh, well, it looks like he's got his underwear on, although it's the same color as his dragon green skin. 45% off. It's $55 at InStockTrades.com. You can get uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps from uh, Bob uh, Venditti and Ethan Van Skyver and others. Um, this uh, features uh, all the guys. This is uh, both uh, Hal and Kyle and uh, John Stewart, all three. And uh, this volume is called Quest for Hope. I hope you check it out. It's 50% off, just $9.99, part of DC's uh, New 52, or Rebirth, excuse me. Can't keep up with the uh, the retitling of everything. I have no idea what half this stuff is. How about Six Pack and Dog Welder, Hard Traveling Heroes, Garth Ennis and Russell Braun, uh, some of his Section 8 uh, characters, up front and center. This miniseries is uh, six issues. It has a Steve Dillon cover, which is pretty cool. 42% off. It's just $9.85. I haven't mentioned any Ed Brisson uh, product at InStockTrades.com. Let's do that. Let's search and see what what, uh, pops up here. Uh, You can get uh, Murder Book, the book I was talking about. Tremendous book. It's uh, Ed Brisson and Simon Roy. And uh, these are excellent little crime stories 
It's uh, an, a fantastic book, really. Can't recommend it enough. 45% off, $9.89. You can also get uh, Field, which is another cool crime uh, book from Brisson and Roy. And uh, that is a mature title, 42% off. It's from Image, $8.69. You can get uh, his runs on Sons of Anarchy. Uh, you can get uh, volumes, it looks like, uh, 2, 3, and 4 for 30% off, $10.49. Then there's a Cluster, another boom book that he did. Uh, it is 30% off, $20.99. Last Contract, a great book he did with Lissandro uh, Ester, Esterin. And uh, this book is 30% off, $10.49. Ed's got a lot of great stuff out there. Uh, you should definitely check it out because he's a fine writer. One more for you. From IDW Underground, 24 Underground, excuse me, the trade paperback. This is Ed and Mike Gatos. Pretty good stuff. A Jack Bauer story. Uh, it's 30% off, $13.99. Lots of Ed Brisson product at InStockTrades.com. Do yourself a favor. Pick some up today. If your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping from InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening to Word Balloon. Uh, hope you have a wonderful Labor Day. I imagine that uh, there's going to be a couple episodes before that, but I know that's coming up uh, in a couple weeks. And, uh, man, September is going to be great. I'm going to Salt Lake City Comic Con, and uh, I'll be there from the 20th to the 23rd. And I hope uh, to see uh, you all out there. I think it's from the 21st through the 23rd. Those are the days. But I'm coming out Wednesday night and cannot wait. Uh, man, they, they treated me so well at the spring show, and I was very pleased to be invited for this fall show. I got some neat panels coming up as soon as they make them official. I will tell you the panels that I will be moderating and appearing on. But I'm very excited about them. I know about three, and there might be more, and that's fine with me. And uh, also, I will have copies of uh, No Plan B, uh, Mike Oming's book. And if you want to buy one from me uh, right there at the con, I will have a table set up, and I will be selling my wares. That is weird. I've sold T-shirts at a, at a convention before. It's the first time I've actually had a book that I can promote. So very excited about that. Hope to see you there if you come out for Salt Lake City Comic Con in September. Anyway, until next time, more great stuff coming up. Be here for another Word Balloon in just a few days. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017.